You're listening to the One Minute Mindfulness Show with Vicky Kelly and Natalie MacGyver. This is the One Minute Mindfulness Show where we get to explore the life-enhancing power of paying attention and everyday ways to strengthen our capacity, yours and mine, for mindfulness. I'm Vicky Kelly. And I'm Natalie MacGyver. And it's welcome to the show. Well, I have to say, Natalie, well, to, to our omelettes, Natalie and I have just had our first little bickering. <laughs> You want to stay a yes woman and I want to learn how to say no more often. <laughs> I know. It's, it's obviously, as I said to you, it's, it's my lifelong work on and so much so that I, I've realised how attached I am to it. <laughs> so I'll just wait for the next time you can't do a show and I'll take over and I'll find all the people who find saying no so easily to give us some of their tips maybe. Oh, I've, got, I've got a switch. I'm nervous. <laughs> I need to take a breath. A mindful breath. A mindful breath. You know, the world is made up of all sorts of people and we're made up of all facets, light and dark and, and yes and no. So if I'm having a problem with knowing how to say much, know a little more often then you know it's time to explore that privately in mindfully isn't it <laughs> hey you're wanting to us to explore it and air all of our dirty laundry over the year uh, over the the our podcast <laughs> yeah you want to resist and i want to persist so we'll work on that one won't we so that makes us the perfect balance it does indeed you're going to go with that i'll hold you to it and we'll explore it maybe when we're at the um the wellness summit this year and get to finally meet face to face we can explore that then <laughs> now isn't that going to be the most exciting thing for and our omelets i i um, imagine would be really surprised that you and I have never been in the same room as each other. No, no. Physically. That's right. And I think. Historically, energetically, of course, consciously, of course, but physically, physically, I've never been able to snuggle you. I can't believe it. <laughs> no, we haven't. So, yeah, it's only a few months away in September. So bring that on. And, and, and you know, I think we'll do a little podcast together live, which would be a real treat for both of us and all of our listeners to to see us in action without what the edit button involved. <laughs> what a treat. What a treat. No, you mean I'll get to push the edit button this time. You're the one with the, with the button. <laughs> I am the one with the power, aren't I? <laughs> lucky. That's we right. all say lucky Natalie's got that power. <laughs> yes, yes. Hey, so what's our show about today, Natalie? Well, we're getting so many great questions and feedback um, from our, our listeners and, and, you know, friends in my world, friends in your world and in our own business practices and friendships, etc. that perhaps it's time to pull that together and, and run some of those great questions um, through the show because they're, they're probably on the thoughts and minds of others. They're certainly yeah. been on mine. And it's been it's been a little while since we've had a Q and A, and they're always our some of our most popular shows. So, yeah, um, lovingly you've been able to collect some questions, put them in an order of priority, and and uh, we'll do our best to get through as many as we can today. I think I'm going to start with what I think could be some 
some lighter stuff and then I really want to save a juicy one to the end so we can have a bit more time and, and maybe press a few more buttons maybe yours maybe mine maybe someone else's so a really great question especially this time of year as we're coming out of one season and into another one um, with winter that this is the time where everybody starts talking about being sick being off color building your immune system so one of the questions that someone asked me recently was because I, I don't get sick very often, um, not possibly even once a year, and I tend to just skirt sick. I get a little bit off, but it doesn't go into this full-blown thing that, you know, I hear people having to take to their bed for a week. Mm. So what what are some great mindfulness tips um, around our immune system? Because it, our health the more we focus on, we we know that the more we focus on things, the more we get of it. So is the is there, is the flu season so fear driven that we succumb to it because we're be you know falling into that belief, or you know, or not? Well, I think that's it's actually a great point. Is it that we we um, say, oh, this is the flu season, I'm going to get the flu, and wish it upon ourselves, or we you know we run out and and may make a choice to get some sort of um, uh, a safeguard or what we think is a safeguard against the flu by by vaccination and what we know about the the flu vaccinations is they that they don't uh, guard us from from all all of the uh, flu strains and and coldy um, strains that are out there uh, if any at all and that's that's not something that we discuss on the show but there's there's a uh, some really great natural ways of being able to boost your immune system and one of those include include mindfulness and so what we know about mindfulness is it number one undoes our stress response so even if we're, it's not leading us towards being happier or building our immune system uh, directly what it does do is undo and unravel our stress response. And we know that when we're stressed, even if it's in a low to medium grade distraction type stress, that's depleting our immune system. It's lowering our resistance to the bugs and things that are out there. And there's one thing, um, our family has uh, a little belief in it, and we say it's not the bug, it's the host. So (laughs) it's it's our bodies that are able and are designed to heal and repair and fight off those bugs and, and and colds and flus out there, and they do it most effectively when our immune system has some threshold to it. Our immune system gets depleted by by a lot of things, including um, our lifestyle, and one of the number one factors to that is our levels of stress. And so being able to use our mindfulness practice, whatever that is for you, whether it's just some breathing in the morning, whether it, it is um, the eighth wonder of the world, which is to hug someone. Uh, hugging someone is going to, to boost your immune system, not directly, but because of the cascade of bonding and love hormones and chemicals that are, that are flowing through your body and your brain. And so there's lots of ways that, that we can boost our uh, immune system through our mindfulness practices, and it doesn't necessarily need to be specific to that, but what we know fundamentally is the more mindful you are, the the higher your threshold for uh, your body's ability to be able to heal itself, which is what it's designed to do. Perfect answer. And 
given that we have an abundance of lemons and just before just before the show I was um, sucking on, on a lemon, honey, ginger and jelly which my daughter Grace had made and they are an incredible little treat that um, tastes like Tastes like lemon lolly snakes. <laughs> <laughs> and mindfully, if we can just hold them in, hold them in your mouth. Um, mindfully, they just having the mindfulness of the ginger and the flavours. That practice in itself uh, will add to the nutritional value of those little lemon honey ginger. So it's it's almost like, and we've talked about this before. Mindfulness uh, practices and those small, frequent micro moments of, of calling our attention back are like superfoods or, or chemical nutrients to the brain. Just as, as lemon, honey, ginger is a nutrient to our body, the way that we think about um, eating and if we can be more mindful when we're eating that, it's, a, it's like a, a nutrient to, to our brain chemistry, which is very exciting. It is. And all of those things boost our immune system. Yeah, and you know, I think one of the, the things that we we mention quite a lot on our show and, and in our mindfulness practices is about pausing and slowing down and being in the moment to hear and feel your body signals because most people will tell you that they're so, 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 so sick, but a week ago they started to feel off. Two weeks ago, they had this funny throat thing going on and then they pushed through and pushed through and pushed through and didn't slow down, didn't honour their body and didn't take a bit of time out. So, you know, even just winter is a time where, you know, we're meant to be hibernating and slowing down and resting a little more. So I think we've got to listen to those signals in our body earlier rather than wait till we're laid up for three or four days and have no choice. And that's the great thing about the body. Yeah, you know, the body is incredible and it, it starts whispering to us very gently with signals. And those signals, as, as you alluded to, Natalie, may happen a week or 10 days or even two weeks or a month before um, our body gives us the, 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 big, the big hit and it really we slip below threshold when it comes to our immune system. So the body will gently whisper signals to us. And if we're able to, to listen to those signals and pause, as you said, Natalie, or slow down or spend some time off our screen snuggling with those people that we love around us, then our body's able to reset and replenish itself. But if we don't listen because we're, we're too busy rushing and ignoring our gentle and very kind whisperings of the body, then the body will um, take control and shut us down completely and we'll end up horizontal wondering what on earth just happened. Indeed, may we all avoid that. Let's rest and have fun in time out, not um, be sick and needing to feel so terrible. Which is the perfect, it's the perfect go-to. One of my go-to practices when it comes to mindfulness is that pause, unplug, breathe and smile. Because what we're doing, we're just creating a moment to recall our attention and gather it through unplugging from whatever it is. And I'm not talking about just screen time, remember. When we talk about unplugging, it's unplugging from whatever it is is distracting us at that time, whether it's a thought, whether it's a, a little emotion that's that's hijacking our attention, whether it's a, a relationship 
challenge that's hijacking our attention or the most obvious, which is our, our screens and our multiple platforms can hijack our attention. So unplugging allows us to liberate that attention and gather it in a really beneficial way and it's really good for us. I guess then that's another little plug for learning how to say no and not over um, saying yes so often that we feel a little stretched. But we'll come back to that when you're a little less resistant, <laughs> shall we? You hold on I to love that you, multitasking. <laughs> I only laugh because I see myself in the same action. That's my that's my I only do. chuckle there. But uh, no, you know. You know what? If we were sitting next to each other, I'd be snuggling the crap out of you now. <laughs> you would. That is that another tactic then to keep me away from resist persisting against that? I'll just hug it. That'll change everything. <laughs> that's my team. That's that's uh, it's sort of the oh yeah classic Vicky. My team is always whenever there's a little bit of tension in the team, I say, "Come on, guys, we've got to hug it up." <laughs> it's quite oh yeah classic Vicky. Classic Vicky, I but it works. It works every single time because what we do, we have to let our guard down when we're when we're holding on and resisting. In our in our righteousness, it closes us off. It's another way the brain just shuts down from any possibility. And so when we we create that pause, and I I create that pause through through a hug. And so we'll, I call a timeout if we're having some tension in our team meetings or in a, in our um, you know strategy times. Call a timeout, and we hug it out or high five or whatever it is to create a con- a reconnection and an opening. And then it's quite amazing what occurs as a direct result of just just that momentary um, dropping of the rope. Good answer. <laughs> Good tip, which brings me to to um, another great question that um, that was asked too is how how do we find and what mindfulness tips or tools are really great to use in the middle of the chaos, in the middle of the drama, not once we've you know, uh, expressed everything, reacted, had all that high emotion, fear, whatever it is, and then we regroup afterwards and start again. What can we remember in the moment where we're in some sort of conflict internally or externally? What do you do, Natalie? Well, what do I do? I have learned and are still learning about not reacting in the moment. Mm-hmm. And to be able to take that time to pause and one process thinking, if it's just involving me and how I feel and staying really present, not feeding the drama, not jumping into the what ifs. Um, and if there, if I was in the moment with conflict with others or, or you know, drama that involves someone else in my presence is to, to do the same thing, to pause and reflect and to listen. So to hear yeah. what's going on rather than jumping in to fix everything. And that's a real that's a real struggle for me to not jump in and go, right, okay, what are we going to do to fix it? And sometimes we've just got to feel our trauma, live through our stuff so that we can find our own pearls and our own growth in that, not, not have um, a quick fix. So sometimes having no answer and just being able to it's focus. The answer. Yeah, it's the answer. Which is, which is the, when there's... If we always think there's something to fix, we lose. We can we can lose and disconnect from the flow of life, and the flow of life actually includes difficulty. 
you know, some of, some of our most important moments, some of our most significant shifts in life have been as a direct result of difficulty. And so if, if we can build a relationship with the understanding that life is, it's a fundamental truth, difficulty is part of life, and that it only becomes torturous and deepens, deepens our struggle when we get attached to and think that it shouldn't be difficult. Or that it should be a different way. Or that it should be a different way. Or, in as you said, that there's something to fix. Sometimes there's just nothing to fix in that moment. And if we can let go of that and and even, even on a phys- physiological level, just take a step back, literally take a step back, pause, unplug from your attachment, whatever that attachment of, to your story is, unplug just for a moment. You can have it back, but just for a moment, unplug. Take a beautiful deep breath in and, and a long, slow breath out just to balance things out and then smile, which opens up our mindset. And when, we, when we're in an open and mindful state, we just we naturally make better choices towards the best version of ourselves, whatever that is. And, and there's no – that's unconditional. It, it's I just know and believe and trust – because I've seen it and experienced myself over and over and over again, that when we're mindful and when we're in that open mindset, we just naturally make better choices. And so being able to, in in the eye of the storm and on the way to the eye of the storm through the chaos and the reaction and the upheaval, just being able to every now and then momentarily pause and take a breath and smile to liberate that attention is a really powerful way. But in addition to that, and this is what lots of omlings notice, so, so many omlings notice, is that their daily practice, their daily frequent micro moments of mindfulness practice, the one-minute mindfulness tools and techniques that they're using, has enabled them, because it's strengthening our attention system, has enabled them to have a a better awareness of when they are going into reaction so that they can catch themselves on the way and be able to, at least some of the time, reset that and recalibrate and rebalance so that they're moving forward in a more open and receptive way rather than closing off and becoming reactive. And then the only thing that's available to them is to to run, to fight, or to spit in disgust about whatever's going on. Mm. And so then how do we, when we understand that and understand the the power of that and the, the peace that brings us, how do we explain that to other people when they're in the middle of their stuff? And they're holding on to their drama and they're feeling all of those powerful emotions and we want to say, you know, just stop, pause and smile. How do, how do we get that to them in that moment that, without that getting back? That might be easier up? said than done uh, if you're in the middle of some heated yeah. discussion. Yeah. And and if and I think it comes back to, first of all, knowing, knowing ha- having agreements around how we're going to do this and particularly... These agreements can happen in work relationships, in intimate relationships, in relationships with with family. Grace, my thirteen year old, um, who is, you know, in the prime of her of her teen and adolescence, and wanting to, you know, at this time it's wanting to unravel from her from her parents and become more independent, and she's got heightened hormones and 
And so she, and she's really, she's an extrovert and really expressive and, and knows what she wants in, in her life at this point. And so we have some little resistances going on. And one of the agreements that we have is that, and it's been across all of the kids, is that we don't storm off. And so we've made that agreement outside of the tension. Mm, mm. And so when, in the moment, she, she may go to storm off and I just say, Grace, what's our agreement? And, she'll, and, she, and it gives her the opportunity to stop and pause. It doesn't happen 100% of the time, but it happens more than not. And she'll say, oh, you know, oh, in disgust, <laughs> oh, oh, we don't storm off, I guess. <laughs> but that's but, also bringing back to the present, isn't it? It's bringing it you back is. to, what you know, the, that in the moment. It's kind of like when people talk about having a safe word in an argument and when they say that word that means both parties all parties go all right okay right it's 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 like a non trigger that triggers us back to the present it's it's exactly right it's an anchoring process that anchors you back to this moment because when we're present we wouldn't say the things that we normally say and we've all been in the situation where we've thought afterwards oh, i wish i'd thought to say that or oh, my goodness, I wish I hadn't have said that. Mm. And so when we're in the moment and when we can have those safe words, when we can take a breath, and particularly if you're with someone that doesn't, that doesn't necessarily hold the same philosophy as you or doesn't understand the, the value of mindfulness, and particularly in a heated discussion, to, to say, hey, Natalie, why don't we just take a breath? That could send them over the edge. <laughs> Yeah. However, what you can do is call a timeout, and that's that's what I do in relationships that that we're not on a common playing field, if you like. I will say, Natalie, let's just call a timeout, take a minute to regroup and come back. And I trust that at the very least, um, both of us dropping the rope for one minute make it does make a difference. Calling our attention back because no one wants to be. The worst version of themselves. No one wants to be reactive and, um, you know, say or do things that hurt other people. But it's, it's no, and it doesn't mean that you're not having. It? it doesn't mean that you're that you're you know being laid over or you're or you're you're giving in all the time. There is time for difficult conversations. However, you can have those difficult conversations, whether it be with a family member a partner, a staff member, um, someone down the street, your neighbour, or you can have those difficult conversations in a kind and courageous way. Yeah. And, and I say kind because a lot of the time, well, reaction and kindness don't, don't sit in the same part of the system. And so we can, we can still have those difficult conversations without them having to be charged with anger or resentment or all of those lower-minded emotions that are simply because of the story that we've made up about them. I bet there's lots of um, parents of young children, teenage children, listening to this episode today thinking, gosh, you know, that's great parenting tips in there as well. You know, agreeing oh, to things in advance, not trying to, to, to solve a problem when everyone's in, in the heat of the emotion. I, I think that's some brilliant parenting tips amongst that as well. 
um, as as in uh, for for us as parents, sometimes we need to walk away because I know myself and and uh, I know I'm not alone. In I'm not always the ideal parent. Mm. You know, I make some. Sometimes I can be reactive, and particularly if there's if I'm distracted, and it's most of the time. In fact, I'd like to suggest all of the time when I'm distracted by something else or someone else or another situation, and Grace comes to me with a with a challenge, or Grace uh, does something that that I don't necessarily agree with, or doesn't do something like clean her room when I've asked her. My reaction is is directly proportionate to my level of distraction. That's right. That's right. Something to think about. I remember realising many years ago when the kids were perhaps maybe maybe 12 and 9, around that sort of age, and it just, uh, I don't even, you know, of course I don't remember that long ago, whatever it was that we were all disagreeing about or, or what I was asking of them that they didn't want to do, don't have no recollection. But I walked away and, remember, and got this, this real little epiphany that, oh, my God, it's actually me that causes all of that drama. It's me that went in there without being present. It's me that went in there being distracted and I took my stuff in there and expected a different reaction when, when I was throwing, you know, my energy and my, my focus on them and they just reacted like kids do. And I thought, this, is, this behaviour is, you know, is directly as a result of how I, what I brought into the room. And that was a real turning point for me. What a great awareness. Yeah, yeah I was just like, oh, you know, when I'm a peaceful parent, they're actually more peaceful children. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and that's, you know, that's certainly one of the, the extraordinary side effects of mindfulness practice. And many of the people and groups and clients that I work with, one of the, one of the major feedbacks is, I think this mindfulness thing is rubbing off on the kids because they seem just calmer and, and better behaved. Now, we don't know whether, and I believe it's a combination of the two, that I'm not as reactive and short-fused about their behaviour. And in addition to that, it's the collective consciousness that, that we generate um, just a kinder, more amazing calm and ease within a family environment when we lead from the front. Mm. Yeah. So it's a, it's a great side effect of, of mindfulness practice is the people around you will become more mindful. <laughs> uh, without us manipulating, threatening or making them do it, which brings me to just one last, I don't even know if it's a question <laughs> or a reflection, um, but something that, that you know we were talking about off air and it kind of went all over the place. But one of the things that, that I see quite often I mean, we're all guilty of it, but what I see quite often in my healing practice is someone will come to me for some sessions. They get what they need out of it. They feel great, but inevitably it'll be my partner needs to come, my son needs to come, my daughter needs to come because they do X, Y, and Z, and I want them to do A, B, and C. So along comes the person being made to come, and it's clearly evident as they walk in the door they have been made to come. <laughs> Can you see me doing finger inverted comments? They have been made to come. So we talk about the being made and then we, we do some work around them and they get to have the space. I hold space for them to actually be and show whatever they're going to in that space. And I don't let partners in 
with me while I'm working with someone. I think there's no need for that unless they want couple sessions. Yeah. Um, and I don't share anything with either partner and I let both partners know that. Um, and then partner goes off, creates some change, sees a few different points of view in, in, in what's going on in their life. Partner comes back and sees me again. The first person who, who made them come, I never see again because mm. they were looking for a different result. They wanted me to find something wrong with their partner or friend or child or whatever and so that they could actually get what they think that person needed. And it doesn't yeah. always happen that way. It doesn't always happen that way. It's, and what a, what a beautiful gift that, that the, the people that you're seeing, the partners have a willingness to explore and experiment in, in that way, because not everyone not not everyone would, and certainly that's that's one of that's a that's a major in telling people that they need to do something, whether it's eat better or or um, get more rest or 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 say no more or <laughs> or breathe or practice mindfulness. Unless there's a, a willingness to engage, that's certainly not going going to happen. And you can't you can't hold the space for another person. Uh, I realised that uh, very acutely over the last. A little while is is as much as you can, as much as we can try. We can't hold the space if the, if another person is not willing to engage at the same level and meet you somewhere in the middle. So so that's probably the first point. The second point being, isn't it amazing how often we look outside of ourselves to fix something? It's not my problem. It's yours. If you change, it'll if you change, then it'll be better. Or when that happens, it'll be better. Then when when most importantly, the only thing we can can control is the way we respond to what's happening around us. Now that will have an influence on what happens around us. I truly trust and believe. However, stuff happens, and so whether it's a in a relationship and the way someone else is behaving, or whether it's the a situational something at, at work or something. Um, that happens outside of, of our control, our immediate control, the way we respond to that with ourselves and others makes a huge difference. But in terms of, of being able to invite people to um, a mindfulness practice, I think the first, the very first thing we can do is, is uh, ground that understanding in our own practice. So lead by example, being able to walk our talk. Start your, start your mindfulness practice yourself. Get really committed to it yourself and then watch as people around you begin to notice the change and that's when people will, will have a willingness to ask some questions rather than you need to do this and you should be doing that. Exactly, exactly. Because people do notice. That's the that's the thing. People people absolutely notice a difference, and they want if if you're calmer and feeling more ease and have more smiles on your faces and and the the very first thing is often oh it's easy for you your life your life is so perfect. I love that one. I love that one the best of all of the the falsities of the world. I love that one. 
I love that one. Someone said that to me the other day. I was giving them a, a session and they said, you know, you're so peaceful and at peace. You mustn't ever have anything in your life. I was just like, go and listen to the On podcast and see what <laughs> the last couple of months of my life have been like. <laughs> but, but, Natalie, that's a testament to you've had some pretty significant upheavals and, um, and difficulties in your past two months and yet not only have you noticed that you've had um, – a deeper sense of ease, but the people around you that, um, you know, your loved ones and the people around you have noticed that you've had some ease. Now, some people know what you've been going through and, and they, and that's awe inspiring, I'm sure to them. But then there are the people that don't know what you've been going through and just think that you, um, you, you must be eternally gifted. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's so funny. That's so funny. But, um, yeah, I'm grateful. I'm really, really grateful that the last few years have been about learning mindfulness practices and meditation, even though I'm not a champion meditator at all. I'm kind of like an even less than one-minute meditator, really, in all honesty. It's, it's It's a lifelong practice. And... I used to I, I used to be really attached to um, formal practice of meditation, like really attached. I used to teach formal meditation. I would, uh, yeah, and I held it in. It was that that was what was going to make the real difference. The last ten years plus, what I've noticed, and this is really by default because most people didn't want to be part of any sort of formal practice. It's the frequent micro moments of calling our attention back and being able to gather and liberate that attention in a really powerful and simple way. That's what makes the difference. That's what matters most: is small micro moments of connection and mindfulness. That's what matters most. It does indeed. Whether it's one breath, one minute, I still, I still have a formal practice, and it, you know, it can be hours or days at a time. But, but most of most of my uh, my go to is pause, unplug, breathe, smile. If I can do nothing else, I know I can do that. You can smile. You know, I remember we we, we do need to go, but I do remember a practice I read from a psychologist point of view that um, one of the tools that this psychologist uses with people who who he sees with um, anxiety and depression and and very deep self-sadness is he makes them smile in the mirror at themselves and laugh out loud to stimulate that you know all those endorphins and things like that to act in the body to to bring in that vibration and that emotion of laughing laughing isn't is it uh, therapy now and smiling smiling is just something that it's your uh, it's your body reminding your brain to, to to lighten up and be to be happier that's that's the other downside and I think we've mentioned this before of having uh, Botox and those those um, facial enhancements is that if you can't if you can't have expression lines the messages aren't getting back to your brain of what's actually going on. That's a whole nother podcast. That's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> a whole nother podcast full of points of view, no doubt, um, for <laughs> and against. So on that note, Vicky, how can people stay in touch with us and share and comment and feedback to us for more of these great um, Q&As? Well, of course, you can go to our website, all the w's.thewellnesscouch.com forward slash O-M-M. And on that Wellness Couch, there's always new shows uh, jumping up. I know that, that Wendy's Way is on there now, which is a, um, a great show on, uh, on the value of small 
consistent steps towards well-being and Wendy's journey started as a direct result of coming to the wellness summit and listening to the to the wellness guys to begin with but then she's all she's across she's all across the uh, wellness couch so at some stage we'll get to interview Wendy which would be great and there are some other amazing contributors on the couch and if you go to the to the to that website the wellness couch you'll you'll be able to access um information and tickets for the wellness summit which is coming up in in september and if you do love this show as i know our omlings do please now go and post it or tweet it and share it with all of your online tribe and uh, do go and subscribe to our podcast on itunes so until next time We invite you to boost your immune system by pausing, unplugging, breathing and smiling a lot. (laughs) And snuggle snuggle (laughs) your way through winter. (laughs) I was waiting for that one. Thank you uh, again for a fabulous show, Vicky, and I look forward to being online with you again very soon and we'll get the the next one up, which is our... 25th, that's a fabulous milestone. 25 shows, loved every minute of them. Thank you so much, Natalie. You're a gift that keeps on giving. Thanks, darling. Ciao. Bye. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.